Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Death Star plans are not in the main computer. Where are those transmissions you intercepted? What have you done with those plans? We intercepted no transmissions. This is a consular ship. We're on a... Diplomatic mission. If this is a consular ship, where is the ambassador? Commander, tear this ship apart until you found those plans and bring me the passengers. I want them alive. Welcome, Masters and Padawans, to episode 110 of Full of Sith. I am the Mike Pilot. With me, my co-hosts, Amy Radcliffe, Brian Young, Bobby Roberts. He gave you a uh, rumor control this week. Now, with us this week, we gave you that. I hope that was enough for now. We'll be back after celebration. Speaking of celebration, that's uh, this upcoming week, and we're here to empty out our inbox uh, to play a voicemail that was sent in that is particularly interesting to me, and I'm sure Amy and Brian as well. And we're going to talk about some other Star Wars stuff, like what, Brian? Well, uh, I want to talk to you guys about some deleted scenes I watched over the last week. I, uh, Anakin and I went through and, and kind of watched all the deleted scenes from all the movies over the last week because mm-hmm. um, he was curious about them. And uh, I thought some things I hadn't thought before, especially when I was watching all the deleted scenes from Attack of the Clones. Okay. And the, these are not the deleted scenes that you'll find on the Blu-ray. This is a completely different set of deleted scenes that you'll find on your... Uh, DVD releases of Attack of the Clone. Yeah. And these are all the scenes that involve Padme's family. Um, We meet Padme's parents and her siblings, and uh, it made me wonder some things about where where they are and what they know. You know, we definitely see the Neberis at Padme's funeral, and seeing them um, stricken by her death is a lot more affecting, I think, after seeing all these deleted scenes and kind of carrying that forward with you. But I want, I'm, I'm curious, like, do you two think that they know that Padme gave birth? Did the Jedi keep that secret from them? Did they learn, like, what did they do during the dark times? They were obviously a very politically active family and very socially conscious. Did they jump in with the rebellion at any point? They were close to the Organas, presumably. So like, how did Bale keep that secret from them that he's just like raising their grandchild? Yeah. Let me, let me start by saying this deleted scenes, uh, comics, uh, spinoff things, something like with, with Padme's family, I would have never given it any, them any thought. So yeah, you see him in, see him at the end of their funeral. I didn't even give it any thought that that was her family. Okay. But then you see something like this in the deleted scenes, and then you start personalizing it with, with yourself and your family and how they would feel. So I agree that I look at Padme's death and her funeral a whole different way. I kind of had the same thought process you did with this, but I would believe that the Jedi would keep that story very close to their chest. They wouldn't give 
they wouldn't have that conversation or or let on to Padme's family about Luke and Leia. And as far as uh, joining the rebellion or anything like that, I mean, we can only get an answer from that if we got something that included them in the storyline. So, do I think they did? Maybe her brother. I don't know. Amy? I, you know, when you were talking, it made me think of something else that they took great care to separate Luke and Leia. And it's always still been weird to me that they sent Luke back to the planet where Anakin was born. And that doesn't seem like a very effective method of hiding him, but it worked. Uh, because when I think about Darth Vader and and how he thinks about his his past and the people he had connections with, there's a part of me that's surprised that he didn't just go on a vengeance rampage um, to kind of erase who he, you know, everybody that knew the Anakin Skywalker that was. So I'm kind of surprised that he didn't go to Tatooine and kill the Lars, that he didn't like maybe think about Padme's family and go to Naboo and wipe them out. Um, that, that makes Darth Vader really, really evil. If he did something like that, like Order sixty six and everything he he's done, children, he yeah. Evil. But that's he was told to do that. That was part of his marching orders. He's a soldier, just to oh, go out and yeah. just murder people. Oh, you're you're Padme's mom. Here, eat my lightsaber. I don't know if he's that evil. I don't know. It it, it raises an yeah. interesting thought. And why did they decide? Like, why did Yoda? What is it that Yoda saw in the Larses? that he didn't see in the berries. Like, what is it? Is it because Naboo is Palpatine's home? So like, mm. if they were going to send Luke with his family, whether that's the Lars or the Naberries, it's going to be connected to either Anakin or Palpatine one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I would imagine, but there's, but then, there's, but does he go back to Naboo? Like we never, we never see that. And so, I mean, we have in the princess Leia comic, Leia goes there. Leia but, goes. Yeah. Oh man, I I mean like I'm wondering like how that would work. Like at some point they have to, right? It's not like Naboo what we've seen of Naboo after the dark times um or during the dark times. It's not like Palpatine just leveled it and killed everyone. Um True. It, so the Naberries presumably are around. I mean, um Padme's older sister certainly put together the idea that Padme and Anakin were involved together romantically and so they'd presumably know that I mean I think she'd guess that the kids she was pregnant with when she died were were, were the children of this Jedi um or or even like anybody like don't you think they'd like try to find that out like who was her boyfriend like or husband because she got married on Naboo maybe there'd be some record of that yeah, somebody at the yeah. ceremony had to talk. Somebody, exactly. You think somebody would have been like, "Hey, P.S. Your kid got married at the lake." Well, I mean, somebody, someone over, like there was a priest or something that, who oversaw that. So, if the Naberries got really interested, and obviously, I think they would. I think they'd be like upset and looking for answers. Like, how did she die? Whose kids are these? Not just them. I mean, everybody on the planet. I mean, she was a senator for the planet. She was the queen of the Naboo for all those years. It's, so she passes away and everybody's just like, oh, we're going to have a parade. And then that's about it. Well, I mean, like the way I kind of looked at it is like her her funeral kind of felt to me like like the way you saw pictures and coverage of like Bruce Lee's funeral or Princess Princess Diana's funeral. Right. Yeah. And it seems like everybody would be interested in trying to get those details. So it seems like maybe her connection to Anakin would be, would come out, but, but nobody's really pieced together that Anakin is Vader. 
but if the Neberis are looking further into that, and and I think they would like as 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 family members who lost like this cherished member of their family, and these these grandkids that uh, grandkids or or niece and nephew or whatever that 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 should have been that were oddly buried with her, um, they'd want more answers and they they they'd look into things. Well, let's look at it this way. It was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, right? So this is before TMZ or paparazzi. <laughs> so maybe they just didn't have the hard-hitting journalism that you or Amy would bring to the mix. Well, but, I mean, wouldn't you, if, like, you found out that your your sister or your daughter passed away, right, and it was under really weird circumstances and out of the blue, and she was pregnant with, with kids... Wouldn't you be on the hunt for answers? Sure, but I'm a great yeah. man. They would be hiring like private detectives. Yeah, I, I would definitely. I, I think logically speaking, anybody would do that. I don't. This is the one thing I love about Star Wars and Brian Amy. Like he'll take a thought and he'll take it to the nth degree levels as far as really breaking it down to the the emotional connections and the human. What would you do? Why didn't they do it? If they did, what happened? I love it. I love Brian with his Star Wars. I know. I agree because this is. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm always soft serving that up to him. There. Yep. You don't have to like it. Anyway, what were you saying, Amy? Uh, I had never thought about that, but at the very least, I would. They would have to like be looking for these children because you know they know she was pregnant. Um, but they did not they exactly a secret. They buried her but, as though she was pregnant, though. Yeah, so it's like why, like, they have to be looking, like, where did these kids go? Not just who is the father, which I think I agree that her sister probably suspects it's Anakin. But where are they? Like, I I feel like that's a story. Yeah. Them searching the galaxy for Padme's kid. I mean, they don't necessarily have to know if she had twins, but. Maybe they're just too busy rebuilding their lives to even get into it. Maybe it was too painful and they just wanted to get past it. I disagree. I mean, I don't have any children, so I don't really know. But I really love my pet. This is a horrible <laughs> analogy. I apologize in advance. Your children versus my cat. Of, <laughs> if I knew one of my cats had kittens and my cat died and all I had left was that kitten, I would be looking everywhere for that kitten. And again, that's a horrible example. Would you Would you <laughs> search the galaxy, Amy? But and the maybe thing not is, for a kitten, but for a, ki- a grandkid that's like the last remnant of my beloved child. Like I would think so. The Neberis are wealthy, you know, wealthy people, and they are very socially minded and 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 socially active and tapped into politics and art and everything that sort of defines Naboo. Um, why, you know, of course they they'd have the resources to to go on that that hunt and find out exactly what happened. Unless I, I wonder, man, can you imagine a scene where Palpatine comes to give them like his condolences? Because he's like, he's the representative left from Naboo, right? Like, so it's like you've got Jar Jar and Palpatine coming to the Neberis to offer their condolences. And wouldn't Palpatine like have to keep that appearance up, even though he was emperor? Ugh, yeah, that makes that that makes me sick to my like a little sick to my stomach, like thinking about you know him pretending that he doesn't. Ugh, ugh. but you're right. I wouldn't let Jar Jar in my house. Oh, he probably would break things. So from that standpoint, I understand it. Keep him out of my Star Wars room. Maybe he could sit on the deck. I don't know, Brian. Maybe they did. And maybe that's why we haven't heard anything about them. 
that could be the reason they didn't look into it because the emperor of the universe came and offered his condolences and gave a version of the story. Oh. Be pretty convincing. Yeah. Well, and it's like, I mean, they knew Palpatine, obviously. Like, they had a relationship, like, at least Padme and, and Palpatine did. And yeah, and if anybody could pull that off and make a, you know, a convincing story, we know Palpatine's pretty good at that. Let's take it a different route, though. Let's say Palpatine came and visited, and he gave them, like, a big scare. Like, this is what happened, and this could happen to you. So don't be taking your Naboo noses and getting it into other people's businesses. I don't think he would do that. I just don't I, think that's the way he works. Wow, man. I, the, the thing is, is like it raised, power. it raised a lot of questions for me, like how this plays out. And like uh, the, the little kids, Ryu and, and Pooja, like they're just, uh, they're probably Kanan's age, maybe a little older. So they're kicking, I mean, you've got, You've got Naberis that are related directly. Like Luke and Leia have aunts and uncles cruising the galaxy. Yeah, I didn't think about that either. <sighs> Maybe they were helping. They just weren't a big part of it. They're like spiritual guides. I don't know. I want to see, like, I want to see a family reunion. You know, like Luke and Leia think they're alone in the galaxy, but they have potentially grandparents out there still alive. They've got potentially two aunts and an uncle and any family they might have had. Yeah. My mind's kind of blown right now. Sorry. Like, oh, yeah. Well, if you were telling the story of Star Wars Prime, would you include that? I don't know. It'd certainly be an interesting side diversion. Like, I would, I would, uh, like, where, where does, where, and this is what I'm so fascinated by in this post Return of the Jedi world that they're going to be giving us now that we're getting Force Awakens, right? Luke is going to want answers about what's going on, right? And he has the ability to talk to Anakin as a force ghost. And he can get some answers that way. And he'll be able to learn about Padme from there. I, can you imagine that conversation between Luke and Anakin where he's asking about his mother in the same, in the same sort of guarded, harsh whisper that he, that he talks to Leia trying to get information about her. Um, and so Anakin could tell him that there are still family members of his around and that they're, they're good people, you know? And so I, I, it seems very logical to me that, that Luke and Leia would go to meet those family members, whether that would happen in a movie. Uh, I don't think that would happen. I think that Star Wars is, is a little bit too action oriented to stop and do that now. But uh, a book or short stories or comics that explore yeah. that idea would be fantastic. I think, and I think it would fill in a really fascinating hole. One that probably most of the people listening to this episode haven't really considered. I'm sure. Yeah. And I, I mean, mean that like as a compliment, I think that's right. Like something I never thought about. And I'm like, no, I would, I want to know, <laughs> I want to know more. And I think it is prime material for, Maybe not. I mean, it would depend on the book, like a, a side story in a book or the comics for sure. Or even if it's just something like if we were getting a book like Chuck Wendig's that happens like right after Jedi. Right. And even if I mean, like Luke would go on a quest to try to figure out who he was. Right. And like what there was left uh, 
unless there's some really crazy stuff going on in the galaxy that that keeps him from all of that, right? But it seems like those questions are definitely uh, because it's not until Return of the Jedi that he's for sure about his lineage, and it it seems like Leia knows who Padme is. Yeah. So it just seems like even if even if we got something like ten years later and we had Luke talking about what he was able to piece together or who he was able to find, um, sure, I'd love to see those interactions firsthand. But at least I'd lo- I'd like to know that that Luke or Leia know about them. You're just going to stop us all from talking on the episode because we're just going to sit here and think about it. I know. I'm like processing. I'm like, yes, yes to all of this. <laughs> It's funny, like, we're probably going to get, like, you know, like, somebody's going to listen and go, uh, actually, I think they're probably all dead. And that's that. <laughs> maybe maybe Palpatine just killed them all. Like, we don't need to deal with this. Uh, they're dead. I don't think they are. I just don't think. And if Palpatine did that, he would do it in a way that, I don't know, they would all accidentally die on a fishing trip or, you know, something, something ridiculous. Yeah, you imagine, One of those rich imagine, Naboo fishing trips, yes. Could yes. you imagine Anakin as Vader, like, during the dark times, running into, um, I think her name's Sula, Padme's older sister? Now, see, if he ran into her, I think he would kill her. But, would he, but, but he doesn't, like, read, For what purpose, you read though? Tarkin. You read Tarkin, right? And you read Lords of the Sith, like, he makes no no effort to let anyone know who he was. Not right? if you run, I haven't read Lords of the Sith, but um, and he didn't let Tarkin know. Tarkin wasn't an. But but he only enemy. met he only met Padme's sister once though, and so like if he were at like an official event or something, right? Maybe Sula goes into politics, and she's at some event on Coruscant, and or maybe they're doing something honoring Padme on you know, on Coruscant. And obviously they have representatives of the family there. And because Vader is Palpatine's like right hand guy, he's there and he has to like, I don't know. Brian, if, if I I can't see him just often her sister, I mean, that's her blood. That's part of her. That's still living on. I can't see that he would just kill her for no reason. I mean, I do, but only because of a, like because of an interview, Uh, I interviewed Dave Filoni recently. And I asked about, well, you know, when Anakin and Obi-Wan split up, like there was, that was obviously not a good situation. They had a pretty severe falling out. But when the last time Anakin saw Ahsoka, as far as we know, was when she left the Jedi Temple. And that was, I mean, it wasn't an ideal situation, but it was amicable. So I'm like, you know, is he really like, is she on his list? Like, so to speak, like, is he really, and the way he explained it is, you know, he doesn't, like, he doesn't want anything that reminds him of being Anakin Skywalker. Anything that reminds him of being Anakin, I mean, Ahsoka is an extreme example because she was a very close friend, almost like family, um, but that he would want to destroy that because it's too painful and that's not who he is anymore. Um, so that's kind of why I think and Padme was a big, a big part of his life. And as far as he knows, he's responsible for killing her. And I could see that, you know, if they're at a public event, he's not going to be like, like just force choking her sister in public. But I could see a situation in which he's like, Oh, this reminds me of Padme. This, this cannot stand. I don't know. Maybe that's an extreme way to take that thought, but. It's, it's, it's interesting. It really is. I mean, um, 
there's there's a moment in Lords of the Sith where basically like Palpatine sort of like uh, condemns Vader for dwelling in that nostalgia, right? Like of who he used to be, and and Palpatine's like it's a weakness that you would that you would think about who you used to be. And uh, there's a moment in Darth Vader number four, which I really wished you guys read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a moment that brings us back to, um, I mean, they uh, Vader's on Geonosis, and it's taking him back to some of those memories, and it's just, it's perfect. And I wonder, I wonder how any of the Naberis would, what memories they would evoke in Vader if if he encountered them and like I said I I wonder if he would try to remain anonymous because they don't know he's he's Anakin Skywalker you know would he try to just ig- ignore it publicly and and seethe about that internally or would he lash out I don't know like I just I don't think he'd let them know who he was though was there anything else that you saw with Anakin watching this that you needed to get off your chest no, it's the Naberi thing. Really, it's all the Naberi thing. And I really, I wonder if they joined the rebellion, if they signed up to help. I mean, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Leia and Luke have, like I said, like aunts and uncles running around in the rebellion they don't even know about. You know, wouldn't they feel a certain pull to them though? But Luke doesn't have any. Luke doesn't know what his mother feels like. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't know what her presence feels like. At all. Mm-hmm. Leia has some memory of it, but but isn't trained that way. I don't know. I think they'd run into him and say, you know, I have a pretty good connection with this person. I don't know why. I can't I can't put my finger on it. Maybe that's how you'd find out if it was one of their aunts or uncles or long lost cousins. I don't uh, know, Brian. It, I don't know. It's something that's been bugging me for like a week and uh hopefully I'm glad you guys don't seem as though I feel like like it doesn't seem like you guys feel as though I've wasted your time bringing this this issue up. Not entirely. No, you just you just <laughs> took more of my mental time, and that's what I'm going to be thinking about for the next five or six hours. So I thank you for that. I just don't have answers for you. And see, I like to get answers from people, and I just don't have them, Brian. So what we're going to do next is I'm going to play this voicemail about diversity from uh, Joey, and then we're going to discuss that, and then we're going to get on to some other things. Okay. Okay. Hi there, fellow Sith. This is Joey Letson or Joey in Tucson on Twitter, and I'm just calling to leave a quick message for you regarding the topic of diversity. Um, personally, I think diversity in Star Wars or any kind of fictional piece is important because, like you guys said, it's it's nice to be able to see your life mirrored in it, um, so you can relate to it and. We're not all the same, obviously, and that's important to see in that universe, that galaxy, I should say, far, far away. Um, For me, I think the thing that's been a little, um, I don't want to say say jarring, but just definitely a little harder to accept, has been the notion that the Empire itself could be diverse. For many years growing up, I always thought the Empire was kind of like the Nazis, something that was not diverse whatsoever. Lots of white guys, no women in power, no people of different races in power, because they were the bad guys that would not accept anything that was different. That's why I liked the Rebels, because you could see like in Return of the Jedi, that boardroom scene where you had... First of all, a woman in power 
Amon Mothma, and then you had all these, all different races, all different alien species all around the room, and that was fantastic. I loved that. In recent Star Wars stories, however, it's really been obvious that the Empire has had many women in high-ranking positions, and that is different for me. I'm not used to seeing that. I'm not saying it's a bad thing that women hold, hold positions of power. It's just that it's different for me seeing something, the bad guys being diverse because diversity is good and they're bad. Anyway, I think it's possible that Lucasfilm is just preparing us for the next few movies, which will show a much broader and diverse uh, group of characters than we've ever seen, which is exciting and I can't wait to see it. Keep up the great work as always, guys. I look forward to hearing your discussions and hopefully seeing you in celebration next week. Talk to you later. Bye. So we, we talk about diversity a lot on this show. And I want to thank Joey for sending that in. Uh, one of his thoughts about the bad guys not having any diversity, because that's bad. It's no diversity. That actually made me smile. Um, I think it's interesting, the idea that, like, well, the Empire's bad, so they can't have diversity. But I think it's important to note that the Empire doesn't present itself as the bad guys. Right? Yeah, nobody's the ever the, the bad good guys. guys. Yep. We're, we're here to save you. And, and I think John Jackson Miller had a really, a really interesting point. He said that uh, the Empire, um, I think he said it when we had him on the show last when he was talking about A New Dawn, but just like the Empire is using every available piece of resource to keep everything in the galaxy in check. So why wouldn't he be using women, which would be half the population, or aliens, which seems like more than half the population? I agree. Um, you know, if they're out there recruiting and they have academy, uh, academies around the galaxy to, to train cadets, to teach people how to be officers, you know, whatever it is, I, I don't want to say they're desperate for, for bodies, but if they're wanting to put, you know, garrisons of stormtroopers around the galaxy, even on planets like Lothal, way out in the Outer Rim, that they're you know, exploiting for resources. I think they have to dip into a wider pool than white males, or they're not going to be as big and powerful as they want to be. And it maybe, maybe it's just those white males that uh, Palpatine sort of starts to rely on later. But if you look at even in the prequels, like Palpatine's right hand guy politically is Masameda, who's not a human. And uh, you've got Sly Moore as well, who's not a male. And uh, there's others, too. I mean, he's got other people in his retinue that are not. But if you look at Return of the Jedi, his advisors, yeah, totally old, crusty white guys. Maybe that's, maybe that's part of the downfall of the Empire as well, is that he removed some of that diversity, and it made them ripe for crumbling. Do you agree with his yeah. comment that uh, maybe this is their way to get people prepared for what's coming with more diversity? I think it's just the I, way it is now. Yeah, like it doesn't mean like to me. I don't read it as a thing. Like, be prepared. We're gonna put non-white dudes in our movie because if people are concerned about that, like, I think that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, so, I just think it is the way. Like, Brian, I think it's the way it is. It's more like this is you know, finally <laughs> we're at a point where diversity is becoming a more common thing. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's a like look out sort of thing. 
That is interesting to think about, though, where you've got all of this, uh, all of this diversity through the prequel era, era and some of the dark times, and then by the classic trilogy, the Empire is like there's no diversity in the Empire. It's all on the Rebel Alliance side, and that everyone except for that like powerful group of white males who are holding on and clutching to that power are fighting against them. Well, but look, um, look, there's not really a lot of diversity in the Rebel Alliance either. Well, I'm thinking specifically of the briefing in on uh, in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, help me out with that because let's let's so, put okay, aside so, aliens. There's Mon Mothma and Lando. Let's not count. Let's well, not include no, no, aliens. I'm, I'm talking about the um the 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 high command the the three people giving the briefing who are in charge of the Rebel Alliance at the time of Return of the Jedi. Yes, you've got General Maydeen, and I'm not convinced he's human. Like, that guy's way too bland to be a human. <laughs> um, and then you've got Admiral Akbar, and, like, all of the Mon Calmari. And if you notice, most of the fleet is Mon Calmari battlecruisers. And then you've got Mon Mothma. And those are, like, the three people in charge calling the shots. And I'm not saying the Rebel Alliance is a model of diversity in Return of the Jedi. I'm saying that by the time Return of the Jedi comes around, the people who ca- who are calling the shots are at best one-third white males. And yes, they've got Lando, and they've got some Asian pilots, and, and they've got lots more aliens. And I'm not saying it's perfect, but I'm saying, if you think about it story-wise, the Empire doesn't have even that. Okay, yes, I agree with you on that point. Um, I'm going to read an email, okay? Uh, this one says, just a thought, there's been a lot of speculation about Rogue One, especially picking up on the Rogue title and possible Rogue Squadron. But what if Rogue One is the name of a ship? We've seen it before with Slave One and Punishing One. The first standalone film could be about a single crew. What do you think? Love the show. Andrew. I think we uh, touched up on this a couple episodes ago. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I think we might have mentioned that. But either way, I mean, like, it's too early to tell, I think. It could be. But I think that they would pick a different word, right? Rogue is yeah, so rogue. loaded. Yep. It's so loaded contextually with Rogue Squadron that unless they want to specifically evoke that, why would they use it? And also think about we're kind of doing that with Rebels and not that they can't do it again, but you know, we follow one crew of a ship there. Like I could see them wanting to you know, do a different type of story. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm kind of hoping for the. I mean, if we could just sit back for a moment and just think about what ideally I'd like to see, not just a crew. I would like to like to see, you know, Rogue One leading the Rogue Squadron and going on different adventures and missions. And I, I think that'd be pretty cool. I think that's you could you could hold a whole movie like that. I think just like if it's just a crew, it'd be more like Rebels, where it's you know, 22 minute bite sized samples instead of a, whole, a feature film. I'm still hoping that this ends up kicking it. Like, I'm hoping that you're right. And it's like, it's the rogues and they're doing mission impossible kind of stuff. And then this spins off into a Netflix series, especially after seeing the first two episodes of how well Netflix handled daredevil. Yeah. The next one, this guy wants to respond to the special edition show that we had. Empire was my first ever theater movie. I was five. I grew up a hardcore star Wars kid, but I also, was the perfect age to have Star Wars fade away a bit. And uh, he was 10 and 85, and Star Wars began to fade out of pop culture about the same time I headed to junior high, and I was heavy into sports and discovering girls. I always loved Star Wars and still talked about it a bit. 
but never sought out books or comics or anything like that. And then I saw an amazing teaser with the little TV in the middle of the movie screen and the TIE fighter that bursts out of it and was like, uh, there's been an awakening. The special editions reawakened me to Star Wars, and in many ways I feel like I've been following or reading about or talking about Star Wars in some form nearly every day since then. And I know a fair amount of people my age uh, that are in the same boat. So in that regard, I don't think enough can be said about the significance of the special editions in Star Wars or even movie history. When I saw them, I loved them, and so did everyone I knew. I think everyone didn't understand the Greedo Han change. I didn't like it, but didn't particularly it didn't particularly upset me. Uh, the scene that matched with uh, Indiana Jones shooting the fancy swordsmen and raiders were kind of doubleheader of cool that made Harrison Ford every boy's favorite actor. Now, I want to make a bold statement. I think Greedo shoots first is the single most contributing factor to the world of Lucas prequel hate. Uh, that's where we first heard the indefensible phrase, George Lucas raped my childhood. And it's where I first remember people saying Lucas doesn't understand his own work. And it destroyed one of the most important things any artist needs uh, when bringing art into to the masses, goodwill. Goodwill is the difference between trying to understand what, a, what an artist is doing and deciding you know more than he does. It is the difference between listening to interpretations of what a film means or is doing and accusing someone of going to great lengths just to apologize or make excuses for that artist. And uh, I'm just going to read this, too. In 1999, both The Phantom Menace and Paul Thompson Anderson's Magnolia were released. PTA, coming off Boogie Nights with a great cast and extremely ambitious idea, had so much goodwill that even the negative reviews were lauding his talents. They used quotes like, it's a mess but a beautiful mess, and he's bitten off more than he can chew, but uh, give him credit for trying. What Lucas did with the prequels is unprecedented and absurdly ambitious. He made three films that did not just take place before the others, but are a direct lead-in and meant to be watched together. He intentionally made movies that would cause you to reevaluate what you thought you already knew. He was willing to not play it safe and give older fans exactly what they thought they wanted. He turned expectations around because it made the movies more interesting, and then he had to find a way to make these films watchable, watchable in his preferred order of one through six, yet still manage to make it satisfying to those for whom episode three would be our final new film. So, anyway, he goes about the saying that he blame, uh, blames Greedo shot first for that. Two years of festering annoyance with uh, Greedo shot first combined with the easy target of Jar Jar Binks sealed his fate. But so he, he's talking about um, kind of like uh, he's I think standing up for the. Special he's, he's he's probably right. I think that that probably is like that and Jabba the Hutt in A New Hope are probably the two things that people gravitated to immediately. The only thing I would disagree on is in his email about though is that the idea that Magnolia is a mess. That movie is so good. I'm I'm just not okay with that characterization. <laughs> what do you think, Amy? <laughs> um, I have not seen Magnolia. Oh, uh, it's so good. Uh, so many. Is that the one where training frogs? It is. Yeah, Thanks that for ruining it for Amy. That movie's yeah, a mess. Forget, a mess. Forget he said that. Just, just you watch it and you will see. Okay. Um, now I'm hung up on frogs. I don't really like frogs. They kind of freak me out. And the idea of frogs raining on me sounds terrifying. Forget about um, that. They're, okay. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I kind of missed that there was a, a a question, I guess, in that email was he just saying that that I he think, thinks I think that he was just stating that, Han- that these are the reasons why he feels that the special editions hit home and why uh, people the saying that just dogging Lucas over making these is wrong. Gotcha. Um, in that case, though, I do agree that 
the number one thing I hear people gripe about is Greedo and Han. Uh, absolutely. And I think that contributes to a lot of like, they just go like start with that uh, and, and think that is such a major offense that they, I think it sometimes colors people's view of the rest of it for sure. Um, and also with Brian, what Brian said too, I think the Jabba and a new hope that that's the one that actually bugs me more than Han and Greedo. More than Han and Greedo, more than uh, young Anakin instead of old Anakin. Um, that's not a problem. That's a great change. The biggest, my biggest issue is with Java. But you know what? The more I watch it, eh, okay. If that's what you want, that's fine. I, 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 I keep telling people like, uh, like Jedi Rocks is another one that they get mad about. They're like, Jedi Rocks isn't anywhere near as good as Lapty Neck. And I'm like, hey guys, the point of both of those scenes is that Jabba has terrible taste in music and it's mission accomplished on both <laughs> on both counts. Uh, That's great. You're ridiculous. <laughs> I love it. All right. And uh, let me see this final email. And Brad goes to say, uh, I enjoyed the last shows as always. Uh, quality of the podcast remains high. And I appreciate that you have separated rumor controls from the regular podcast. So I can enjoy the sweet agony of suspense over upcoming star Wars projects. A few questions for you. So I'm going to read these questions one at a time and we'll answer, okay? Sounds like a plan. Okay. Yoda communicated with Kanan and Ezra while they were in the Jedi Temple on Lothal. Ezra underwent a test at that temple, much like Luke's trial on Dagobah. I have not heard this said by anyone else yet, but doesn't this imply that the place where Luke failed his test was a Jedi Temple? Is Yoda's ability to watch over and communicate with distant Jedi dependent on the inherent powers in the Jedi Temple? I, um, he doesn't read my reviews on Nerdist because I mentioned that, um, I'm giving him a hard time. Um, cause I thought, I don't know if it's true, but I, that was a possibility. Cause I was like, well, that was the first thing I thought of, you know, Luke went through a very similar test. Um, and does that mean that there is a temple on, on Dagobah that has just, you know, it doesn't look like a temple by the time we see it. Um, but Dagobah is not exactly a super friendly planet. Um, why would he just choose Dagobah if there wasn't a well, temple there? Qui-Gon yeah. Qui led him there. If you go back to the Lost Missions and that last arc with Yoda, yeah. you'll remember that Qui-Gon leads him there because it's a place strong in that living natural force. Right. Which is, which is I mean, Qui-Gon, the, the living force is something Qui-Gon kind of brought to the table to the dogma of the Jedi that they hadn't really had before and everybody was like meh Qui-Gon you're this living force yeah right and so it wasn't really paid attention to so I don't necessarily think that Dagobah would have specifically been a temple but certainly a nexus for the force that would um, that would that would do that if you notice though that the temple's different from what Yoda tells Luke that the cave is though he tells Luke that the cave is a domain of evil and that it's strong specifically in the dark side. And when I, when I heard him say that in Empire, I always assumed that that was someone, um, a Sith perhaps, or an Inquisitor now, or, or someone, a, a, a wielder of the dark side of the Force came, and Yoda had to end them there. And so that leftover energy of them is what created that that dark side nexus there. But after watching the Yoda arc, it seems like it's just Dagobah's just this nexus, this natural ebb and flow that's like a step between a Jedi temple and Mortis. I was Dagobah's say, like okay. the middle. Yeah. 
Dagobah's like in between those two things. Hmm. Is it because Dagobah's like full of like primordial life and not a lot of, you know, uh, civilization there? There's no real tainting of anything. I think I think that that could be that could be it. Okay. I think uh, I don't know. I mean, like I'm just making this up as I go. I don't know. Like this is just how I've interpreted stuff. Okay. Well, that's why people ask you questions, Brian. They want to hear your answers. Next oh, question. Fine. The name of the first standalone Star Wars movie is Rogue One. All the speculation I've heard points to this title as a hint that the movie is about Starfighter pilots, possibly about the leader of the Rogue Squadron. I would love this. I am a huge Wedge and Tilly's fan, and I would enjoy more epic space battles. However, I feel that I should point out that all the squadron leaders in Star Wars have been known as X-Leader, i.e. Red Leader, Gold Leader, Rogue Leader, Grey Leader, etc. Based on this, I am preparing myself psychologically for the possibility that Rogue Leader isn't about starfighter pilots at all. Maybe Rogue One refers to the leader of a rebel cell or a capital ship like Home One. What do you think? Sure. Hmm. I, I the thing is, is like, why does it have to be about the leader though? What if I mean Rogue One? You still had um, Rogue Leader, Rogue One, Rogue Two, Rogue Three, Rogue Four, and so on. Like, what if this is? What if this is? Uh, um. Felicity Jones, who's like the second in command or whatever, right? And rogue leader's there, or they're assembling. She's like the first rogue that the leader recruits to the uh, to the squadron because maybe this is set before, you know, pre A New Hope. Maybe Rogue One breaks away from what rogue leader's telling them to do because they think it's right. Maybe this is a bit of speculation before we even see Force Awakens. And another year happens until we see this movie. So I don't know. It's it's uh, I don't know. It's, it's a lot of what ifs. Too early to tell. Yeah, a lot of what ifs. Amy, do you have any thoughts on it? No. Great. He's gonna finish <laughs> up this email saying, "I'd hoped to make it to celebration, but I just couldn't make it work out. I was looking forward to meeting all of you, but I look forward to hearing all your reports. May the force be with y'all." And that's Brad again. So thank you, Brad, and everyone else for your sending in your emails and voicemails. Um, I don't know. I feel better that we answered some of them. There's still more, but who has all the time, Brian? Uh, I don't know, especially not with Celebration coming up this week. Yeah. I do want to let everybody know that every bit of email or voicemail that comes into the uh, comes into us gets immediately forwarded to Brian, Bobby, and Amy, so everybody gets to see it right away. And um, so just so you know, they're not just sitting out there in perpetuity, not being paid we attention to. We read all your to. emails. Sometimes we, they make us uh, cringe. <laughs> yeah yeah sometimes i get emails and it's just like i really i'm glad that everybody emails us yeah i am too like i said it, it's just like when we're going to be out there and talking to everybody on at our that listener party it's going to be a lot of uh thoughts about star wars and theories and discussions and everybody star wars means something different to everyone and it means the same thing to everyone too and uh i i like that people have different opinions than me it makes uh it makes conversation a lot more lively um speaking of celebration since uh uh you know our next episode is the celebration episode live on stage so instead of the three of us you know separated by thousands of miles and network cable we're gonna be like sitting next to each other yeah when amy was talking earlier in the beginning of the episode i was like the next time i do this show we'll be live on the podcast stage that's gonna be so crazy yeah it is be awesome it is well it's gonna be awesome for like 20 minutes 
<laughs> before, <laughs> before I leave you. Yeah. Yeah, you I want know. people a heads up about that, Amy? So they don't think that we're just like, you're just like leaving us forever? Yeah. Um, so I unfortunately, uh, it's, you know how conventions are, just there are multiple things going on at once. And there are a few things I would leave Felicia for, but the Star Wars Rebels press conference starts halfway through. And uh, since I'm covering it for an outlet, uh, I, that I don't want to upset. <laughs> I have to leave like 25 minutes into the full of Smith podcast. Bad. It's okay. I, we see how it is. Oh, don't worry about we'll, it. We'll take you. And this is what we told Amy offline as well, is that uh, having Amy for 25 minutes is better than not having Amy at all. And that, uh, we'll, we'll take you as much as we can get you on the live show. You are and such a smoothie, Brian Young. Mike, Mike and I will <laughs> suffer through without you for the rest of that time. Oh, please. You guys will barely know I'm gone. You'll be awesome. It's going to be fun. No, I think we're going to notice you're gone because you're just going to get up and like leave. Well, that's true. I do not have a trick like to like, like transport out there in a puff of smoke. And it's not like we're <laughs> recording it online like we usually do where it's just going to be like, oh, Amy lost the connection. Like you're going to be next to, you know. It's going yeah. to be a big to-do, and we're all going to see it. I'm going to take my stopwatch, and I'm going to see how fast Amy can run out of the room. Oh, man, so much pressure. Now I'm like <laughs> going to be worried about tripping on the way out. <laughs> everybody, At least everybody has a heads up. Now they know. It's not going to be yeah. like you pop up, and everybody's like, well, I guess Amy's too good for this. She's too good for us. You know, we're sitting yeah. here listening to her, and she just leaves. There's so that much be, going on Saturday. That would be awkward. It would be there awkward. is a lot be going on. The craziest day. Yeah, it's all like so much rebel stuff and just, yeah, it's going to be nuts. So um, just a few highlights of stuff like I know we might need to do like a second special episode like on Sunday night. Just an impromptu, even if it's just like 20 minutes or so, just talking about all the stuff we've, we've seen. Because before we record the podcast, the only thing we'll have seen is the J.J. Abrams stuff, right? Yeah. After that, there's Rebel Season 2. There's that lost Clone Wars arc. Yeah. There's interviews with Josh Trank and Gareth Edwards. There's uh, there's just a whole bunch of other stuff that we just won't have a chance to have talked about. And people are going to be like dying to know about it. I'm dying to know about it. Yeah. Let's we'll 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 do our best to get together Sunday, Sunday night or something for a couple minutes. If we don't, Brian, I think that we should at least uh, put our thoughts down on paper as well as audio and maybe piece something together. I don't know. We'll figure it out, but there's going to be a lot going on and uh, we'll get you everything that we can give you as soon as we possibly can. And that's saying more than most places will, right? Probably. Yeah. Yes. So, all right, well, we're going to end there and uh, we will see you on Thursday night. Amy, want to tell them about it, where they're going to see us? Yeah, you will see us Thursday night from 6.30 to 8.30 in the Hilton lobby um, at the podcaster, the multi-star, wait, let me try again, um, the multi-Star Wars podcast listener meetup. Yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah. Um, so there'll be a lot of us, and you will notice, please pay attention to the Facebook invite. Um, after WonderCon last weekend, I, I looked around and just want to emphasize that it is the lobby. There's just, when you walk in, there's a bar, we'll all be hanging around there. So. I, I don't think it's going to be difficult to find us, um, but we look forward to meeting so many of you. And also I think before we go, um, Brian can uh, like 
should we plug panels we're on at Celebration as well? Yeah, yeah, go go ahead. Well, real quick, before you do that, Brian will be running out of the podcast listener meetup, too. Uh, Yeah, I've got a panel right in the middle of the meetup. So from (laughs) 7 to 8, I will be doing the uh, mythology and hero's journey of Star Wars. Um, And I believe on that panel, uh, we've got Paul Bateman uh, from, you know, Ralph McQuarrie's people and uh kyle newman and jason hamilton who's writing about that topic on the starwars.com blog so right in the middle of the listener meetup i'll be there for the the end and the beginning but not the middle part so your consolation is i'm going to be there for both things the whole time you'll at least have me yeah yeah represent yeah um yeah and the other thing is you know we're going to be there and come in and introduce yourself to everybody there Everybody's going to want to talk to you. So look for us. Look for everybody. Walk around the room. It's a gathering. So panels. Amy, what panels are you going to be doing? Um, I'll let Brian introduce the one that he invited me to be on. Um, and then the other one I'm doing Friday night uh, at a time that is in the evening. Uh, I'm stalling. Um, I am doing <laughs> panel at 630 Friday night at the Star Wars Insider panel. Um, with Jonathan Wilkins, the editor, and several other writers. Uh, so, I, I'm yeah, going to try to make fun. it to that. They were like, what do you want to see more of an insider? And I was going to show up and say, me. <laughs> yes. More of my articles, please. Thank you. Yeah. Do you have anything in the newest issue that's hitting like right now? Um, here's the thing. I have a few. I don't know. Oh. I don't know. I, I, um, I, my interview with Paul Kemp for Lords of the Sith is hitting in this issue. Nice. So, so there's that. So read Star Wars Insider for that. Um, but the other panel that Amy and I are doing together is the Star Wars journalism panel. And we're going to talk about what you should believe, what you should not believe. We're going to try to keep the panel spoiler free, especially since I really don't know any spoilers because Bobby's been so good about soaking all of that up for us. Um, and it's going to be, we're also going to have uh, Dunk from Club Jade and Eric from the Force Net. And uh, we're going to talk about what it's like covering Star Wars as a journalist. That's sweet. What day is that? That is Friday in the morning. It's Friday at 1130. 10.30. So we've got Full of Sith. That I've got the mythology panel. And then the last panel I'm on, on Saturday, while the red carpet premiere for uh, Rebel Season 2 is going on, which I'll be at. Um, I will be on the Aaron Alston Memorial panel with some of the other people from Del Rey. So I think um, Shelly Shapiro is going to be on that panel. Christy Golden, I think, is going to be on that panel. And uh, who else is going to be on that panel? Um, I'm forgetting someone, but I'll be on that panel as well. And I'm I'm moderating, actually. I'm going to be driving that discussion. I'm going to be driving that discussion like a guy disguised as an Ewok in an X-Wing be just craziness listen there is a star wars celebration anaheim app and you can download it and if you go into it you can pick all the panels that you want and it will tell you uh it will warn you like minutes before it happens so you can schedule your whole weekend right there through the app so go there and look at the panels that brian and amy are going to be doing select it and then give yourself the notifications to head there so it is a very useful app and i plan on using it a lot myself i have like 10 things in there already and i haven't even going through everything to see what's going on because there is a lot going to be going on this uh upcoming weekend it's gonna be a great time and we hope to see you there so uh bobby 
we'll be back after celebration. Don't know which day, but you can look forward to that. I want to thank him for like Brian just did for putting together that rumor control this week. I listened to a bit of it, but then when it started to get really spoilery, I had to dump off of it, but it's nice to hear Bobby talking star Wars again. Uh, if you want to see us on Twitter, you can go to at uh, Amy underscore geek at Swankmatron at the mic at full of Sith. You can go to full com and you can see uh, episode artwork and uh, links and the uh, art, the, the notes and all those things. You can go to facebook.com slash full of Sith and you can go to holocron at full com to email us. And also, as always, if you want to leave us a voicemail, too, you can go to 206-426-5592 or the SpeakPipe app on FullSith.com. BrianYoungFiction.com is where you can get Brian's books and be amazed at his writing prowess. And, Amy, where can they find your works? And Brian also does Big Shiny Robot, but you know that already. Um, You can find my stuff on StarWars.com and, and Nerdist pretty regularly. Yeah. And you can find me at themike.com and the things that I do. And I cannot wait to be at the Rebels red carpet. It's going to be so fun. Then we're going to go watch the uh, season two premiere of Rebels. And I didn't hear about the uh, Clone Wars thing until about, until I guess it was yesterday, Brian. That's going to be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Can't wait for that. So, yeah, we're definitely going to have to get together at some point after Saturday and uh, share our thoughts about everything that happened for you. But until then. I have my mind is just swimming from this whole trip that's coming up, and I just can't even concentrate anymore. So we're going to call it the end of episode one ten. We're Mike. What you and I? I need to be there for your first Star Tours experience, and we're going to record that. Are we? I bought uh, a very good uh, microphone system. We're going to record your reaction to Star Tours for the first time. Yeah, and I'm going to be like a five year old, and I'll probably yep. cry too. It'll almost I've, be just like when we walk through Rancho Obi Wan. Just yeah, ridiculousness. I can't wait. Yep, we'll be a, we'll be at Disney. I can't even talk now. <laughs> we'll be at Disney on Wednesday too, so maybe you might run into us there as well. So, episode one ten of Full of Sith for Brian Young and the amazing Amy Radcliffe. Glad to have you back, Amy. I am the Mike Pilot. May the Force be with you always. If you're not be meeting me, I'll close down for a while. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.